You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. So I'll be preaching mostly from the Isaiah text to me if you want to, if you like to keep your bulletin in front of you. Also want to encourage you, um, whenever I've noticed there are some people taking notes during the sermons and stuff, always feel free to bring your own Bible from home and then you can just fill in stuff as you want to because then you have it forever. Because if you're anything like me, I, I lose these. I'm, I'm bad at that. Um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth is full of His glory, or in our translation from today, the whole earth is full of His glory. We sing those words whenever we do a full communion liturgy. Um, And they come from today's reading from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah has what is maybe the almost prototypical or... or, um, the word you're gonna I'm not gonna remember it right now anyway it's sort of a, the best example of, of an epiphany or one of the best examples of an epiphany in the Bible which is why we have it read at this time of year um, he has the word epiphany means manifestation and so Isaiah comes into the temple and experiences a manifestation of what indeed is always going on inside the temple, but invisible to our eyes. In the heavenly temple, God is always worshipped, and He's surrounded by these ministering angels. And that's what the word angel means, is messenger or minister. And this is going on, and they're calling back and forth antiphonally, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth is full of His glory. And yet, we need an epiphany to make our eyes see that. Francis of Assisi, it was said of him by the end of his life that he was so in tune with God, walked so closely with God, that as he walked through the the world, the world sparkled and shimmered with the glory of God for him, that the very leaves of the trees seemed surrounded with light as they praised God. I'm a long way from that. (laughs) I don't know about you. We need these special moments of revelation from God where He manifests Himself so we can understand what is really going on around us because we are born with a fatal wound. Why is it that we don't experience that every day all the time? This holiness of God, that heaven and earth is full of God's glory? Well, the church calls it original sin. Think of it as a wound with which we're born that prevents us from experiencing something that would otherwise be natural for us. Almost like having our eyes out at birth if we can see. Why? What is it that keeps us from experiencing God in this way? All around us, all the time. Well, there's always something we hold on to as more precious to ourselves than God. 
Something we think is absolutely essential to our health, happiness, well-being, whatever you want to say. Something we think is critical that we're holding on to in place of God. Disappointment with God is one of those things. Sometimes we just we feel like we've asked God again and again and again and because we haven't gotten what we wanted, we feel like I just I'm not going to ask anymore. I'm not going to look for God around me. Life didn't turn out as I thought it would and we're disappointed with God. Sometimes we're angry with God. Maybe we bargained with God at a certain point in our lives and said, if you do this, I'll do that. And we didn't... Maybe we simply were not born with the things we wish we were born with. I I had a college roommate who believed in reincarnation and we asked him what he wanted to be reincarnated as and this was back in the 80s. He said, Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Born without something we want or feel we need and so we get angry at God. Or, angry because we didn't get something we asked for. And here's another one. Fear that God might in fact be. It's interesting that our reading from today says that heaven and earth is full of God's glory. But in our day and age, those who study heaven and earth, astronomers, biologists, physicists, seem many times the least likely to experience God's glory by studying those things. I got a quote for you from uh, one of these people, a guy named Thomas Nagel, not only a great biologist, but a great philosopher of science. And he talks about being afraid that God exists. And here's what he says. says in his book, he says, I speak from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true. And it made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that this cosmic authority problem is not a rare condition and that it is responsible for much of the scientism and reductionism of our time. One of the tendencies it supports is the ludicrous overuse of evolutionary biology to explain everything about human life, including everything about the human mind. This is a somewhat ridiculous situation. Fear that God might be. And I think that fear is present not only outside the church, but inside the church as well, although in a different form. Inside the church, we like Jesus as Savior, but we are afraid of Him as Lord. I know I suffer from this, as I've struggled ever since my conversion at age 25 to try and be a Christian. I know there are parts of my life that I don't like having under the Lordship of Jesus, where I feel like I'm going to get instructions from Him instead of having free reign to do whatever I want. When I started, when Lisa and I were married in 1995, she, uh, she, she says to this day I pulled a bait and switch on her because we moved to Michigan in the full hopes that I was going to be, pl- I, I moved in the hopes I was going to be playing in a Motown band. Okay. 
we packed up, moved to Michigan uh, so she could get her PhD and I was going to be a rock and roll star. Actually, I wanted to be a songwriter, but um, you had to make money somehow, so I was going to teach music lessons and be in a band. And then, about halfway through the first year of our marriage, I come to her and say, I think I want to be a pastor. (laughs) As I came under conviction that Jesus was Lord, he put this thing on my life and he says, okay, this is going to be your profession. All right. Well, if you're in charge of my profession, can I at least have control of my finances? <laughs> no, I've got some plans for those as well. Well, if not my finances, then how about my sexuality? Can we run our marriage the way we want? No. <laughs> well, how about our relationships at least? How about the other relationships in my... Every, I just keep... Jesus keeps backing me into corners and I slowly, slowly, slowly turn over my life to Him. And I find every day that there was a part of my life I didn't turn over to him even though I thought I was all in. (laughs) Those things we hold back hold us back from growing in our relationship with God and experiencing that intimacy with him that we also desire. A constant conversion, deeper and deeper. A constant turning toward God is what's required. What happens to Isaiah the moment that he becomes aware he's standing in the presence of God? If he didn't catch it, here's his exact words. Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. A man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. Welcome to the human condition. (laughs) We become painfully, and I mean pain, painfully aware of our own inadequacies and failures the more we become aware of God's glory. And when we do that, when we do that, we discover what's holding us back. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's anger. I know what it, I know, I'm fine, I shouldn't say I know what it is for me. I don't know what it is for me. I keep discovering that day to day. What is it for you that's holding you back right now? Whatever it is, and you're not going to figure it out before I'm done preaching. This is for reflection in your quiet time. But whatever it is, here's the good news. That's exactly the sort of sin Jesus came to forgive. (laughs) He's never going to say to you, you held on to that one too long, you're not forgiven. (laughs) Just like Peter who fell at his feet the moment he's like, oh look, his way is better than my way. Go away from me, Lord, for I am an unclean man. Jesus lifts him right up and says, nope, don't fear. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And that's the amazing part of what Jesus does. And I'm, I'm a fisherman in my... That wasn't just for the children's sermon. I do like to fish. I have never once caught a fish that wanted to be brought in. (laughs) 
Every one of them has fought me tooth and nail. I'm a catch and release guy and they still fight me the whole way in. <laughs> but we are the only fish who get caught. <laughs> and then Jesus throws us back in the water, but he throws us back with a purpose. When you do youth ministry for as long as I have, for 20 years, there's all these cutesy t-shirts they sell at all these youth events. One of my favorite ones says, you catch them, he'll clean them. <laughs> Which I like, because cleaning fish is the worst part of the job if you're going to make if you're going to cook fish for dinner. Um, you know, we're the only fish that Jesus cleans us up, throws us back, and then we get to go around the lake going, "Hey, you got to get caught by this guy. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing." And we discover what we're missing, <laughs> and we go back and get caught again. And little by little, turn our lives over, and that's exactly what happens as we turn our lives over to Him, room by room inch by inch he sends us out on a purposeful mission to share the good news of what he's done for us and for all the world will you join me for a word of prayer Lord Jesus how grateful we are to have been caught by you Lord, whatever parts of our lives we haven't turned over to you yet, we, we ask that you help us by the power of your Spirit to do that. For we can't, we can't do anything like that on our own. You touched Isaiah's lips with that burning coal. You saved him. You atoned for his sin. You lifted up Peter. Lift us up too. And send us out. Send us out to share the good news. Send us out to grow in your grace. Help that wound with which we were born to get healed. Help us to turn over our lives to you so you can be not just Savior but Lord. And help us, O oh Lord, then, in the midst of things we cannot understand, to go forth trusting in you. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sleeping that presence, my life.